VCY America presents Crosstalk, a nationwide call-in program discussing issues that have an effect on our families, our communities, our churches, our nation, and our world. Crosstalk, an opportunity for you to voice your concerns for biblical principles. And now live by satellite and around the world on the internet at vcyamerica.org. Here is today's Crosstalk. And we do thank you for joining us, folks. A very important program today as we talk about the vacancy on the Supreme Court. We are six weeks away from Election Day. And if you thought the political climate was contentious up to this point, it is only heightened many times more by the unexpected vacancy on the U.S. Supreme Court following the death of Ruth Bader Ginsburg this past Friday. Uh, By the way, she will be lying in repose at the court building Wednesday and Thursday this week. But uh, almost immediately, uh, the political rhetoric uh, just began, and it's at an all-time high. Statements are being made to do whatever it takes to stop President Trump, including new impeachment proceedings against him. Uh, Earlier today, it was announced that the votes are there to pass the nominee that the president would put forth. And uh, and by the way, he's going to be making this uh, uh, revelation Saturday, revealing who it is that uh, he is nominating for the position. But we invite you to join us today as we talk about all the ins and outs of this matter. We welcome back Constitutional Attorney Matt Staver. He is founder and chairman of Liberty Council. He has argued before the uh, Supreme Court some landmark cases there. Uh, He's an author. He's also the speaker on the radio broadcast Faith and Freedom and Freedom's Call. Good to have you back here today, Matt. Good to be with you, Jim. Uh, just before we get into the Supreme Court vacancy, actually, last uh, late yesterday, you were arguing before the Ninth U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals. Uh, give us a, just a brief synopsis of what this was about. Yes, I did this uh, through Zoom, which is uh, seemingly the new way to do some of these uh, oral arguments now. And I did it before three judge panels regarding Harvest Rock Church and Harvest International Ministry that has 162 churches in California, as you know. California, for 80% of the state, bans all worship, including home Bible studies and fellowships. So we are at the Court of Appeals with an emergency motion asking the court to issue an injunction pending the appeal while the appeal continues on, which is what we did in Kentucky, and we got that emergency injunction before the court ever ultimately ruled on the merits, which they haven't even ruled on the merits yet. It's a preliminary ruling, but we got the interim relief, and that's what we're asking for in the Ninth Circuit. But whatever way the court goes, we won't know, and we could get a ruling this week. We're going to be right back there for the ruling on the merits. In fact, our merits brief is due next week, and we'll be back uh, to the Court of Appeals very soon on another ruling where I will ultimately make that argument as well with full briefing. But it went well. Uh, The arguments went well. And here's the deal, um, Jim. There's both internal and external discrimination. Internally, the church can have uh, counseling for unemployment with unlimited numbers. They could feed. They can shelter. They can provide educational services. But as soon as they move into worship, no worship, and the violation is a criminal misdemeanor up to a year in prison and a $1,000 daily fine. Mm -hmm. Externally, you have the same thing. All these other secular venues are getting preferential treatment, and churches are being crushed by this governor. They're attempting to stop the worship. It's just absolutely blatantly clear that they're against worship, and it's unconstitutional. Yeah. Uh, any idea when you expect a decision? We could have a ruling on the temporary emergency injunction this week. It will probably come soon because they're moving it along quickly. But again, right on the heels of that, we'll be back for the ultimate ruling. And so no matter which way it goes, we certainly want to get that ruling and interim relief, because every day right now they're facing criminal charges and daily fines, and it needs to have some emergency relief. But um, pray for this case, and we'll update uh, all the listeners uh, as these things develop. Matt Staver with us today from Liberty Council. Matt, last Friday, uh, early evening hours, uh, we learned of the death of uh, Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg. And before we speak about the, uh, the vacancy, the ramifications there, how do you see the legacy of Justice Ginsburg? I mean, she was really not known for being an originalist, was she? Well, far from it. And just commenting about her uh, legacy as a justice, you know, certainly we uh, pray for her family that are mourning the loss of uh, a relative, a friend, um, sister, you know, so forth. Uh, and that's always hard for anybody to do. But as it relates to Ginsburg herself, she was one of the worst, if not the worst, justice on the Supreme Court. 
from her judicial philosophy, she was radically pro-abortion. I mean, the most radical you've ever seen on the high court, and frankly, almost anywhere, because she made the statement, I thought that abortion was about uh, getting rid of the, quote, undesirables. I mean, that comes directly from right. Margaret Sanger of Planned Parenthood. That's a eugenics uh, idea. And that's what she thinks abortion is all about. And she was a staunch defender of abortion, which is not in the Constitution. During the uh, year of the ruling of the same-sex marriage case in 2015, leading up to that in 2014, she publicly performed a same-sex wedding, knowing that this case was coming before the high court, and she refused to recuse herself. So from a judicial standpoint, she's been, uh, she ruled against the Ten Commandments case. I mean, you name it, and virtually all these areas of Judeo-Christian values, life, uh, marriage, uh, the public displays of the Ten Commandments, the other cases that have been up there this year that came down with some major uh, rulings in the last year on those kinds of public displays. She's always on the wrong side. Mm -hmm. So this is a huge uh, vacancy to fill. And frankly, no matter who you fill it with, there's going to be a big difference in the direction of the Supreme Court. But you obviously want to fill it with the right person that has a solid consistent judicial philosophy to the original intent of the Constitution. Mm -hmm. That's certainly not something that Ginsburg has as a legacy. Her legacy will be one of the most judicially activist oh. judges or justices in the history of the court. I mean, many were even appalled when I, I think it was Egypt that was working on a new Constitution, and, and she warned not to frame it after the United States Constitution. And that, she did, yeah. That was yeah. rather troubling, too. Yeah, she did. I remember when she did that. Here's a justice of the United States Supreme Court sworn to defend and interpret uh, the uh, United States Constitution. And yet she's telling foreign countries, don't look at ours. It's not a good model. You need to look at some other United Nations or some other kind of uh, model than our system. Mm -hmm. So she was a real advocate against uh, the original idea of the Constitution, original intent of the Constitution. She did not feel that she was bound by it yeah. in uh, many cases. When she wanted to reach a decision, she would reach a decision. And... She would uh, cut her uh, tether loose from the Constitution, and uh, that's a real problem. Yeah, just one more point on this issue, and because there are many, and I've seen it, news organizations just referencing the friendship that uh, was between former Justice Antonin Scalia and former Justice Ginsburg. But uh, there's a statement from a 2014 joint appearance that's really telling. This was USA Today, and they reported Justice Scalia, may have put it best, What's not to like, he said of Ginsburg, except her views on the law. So he liked her as a person, but saw a radical difference in her views on the law, her views on the Constitution itself. Yeah, uh, and Scalia was a delightful individual. Uh, I got a chance to meet him uh, many times before his untimely death. And he was a jovial person. Uh, interestingly, from a personal standpoint, he liked uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, and Ruth Bader Ginsburg liked him. And if you look at his uh, funeral, where he was held in state at the Supreme Court, you could see Ruth Bader Ginsburg uh, being moved by uh, his death. Uh, they were good friends. They even sometimes vacationed together. Um, they were personal friends. But from a jurisprudence standpoint, where it really counts that affects us, they were diametrically opposed opposites. Matt, uh, Friday night, uh, President Trump learned of this, uh, of her death uh, from a reporter. Following day Saturday, he was very adamant. He's calling upon the Senate to fill the vacancy without delay. And some have referred to what they claim the dying wish of Ruth Bader Ginsburg to delay a replacement. Uh, but harken back to 2016, when there was the uh, nomination from uh, former President Obama, and here's what she said that in 2016, nothing in the Constitution prevents a president from nominating to fill a court seat. She said there's nothing in the Constitution that says the president stops being president in his last year. Oh, that's exactly right. Uh, she said that uh, very unequivocally. And so for people now to say you should not have this confirmation uh, because you need to wait until afterward, uh, look, uh, she actually was very clear on that. Here's another one. Joe Biden. Uh, the American people deserve a fully staffed court of nine. Mm -hmm. 
This is uh, Bernie Sanders. The Constitution is 100% clear. The President of the United States has the right to nominate someone to be a justice of the Supreme Court. The Senate's function is to hold hearings and to vote. This was 2016. This is Speaker Nancy Pelosi, who is now threatening impeachment, unbelievably. The American people expect the President's nominee to be given a fair hearing and a timely vote in the Senate. This is Senator Elizabeth Warren. Senators who... Uh, senators will do pretty much everything they can to avoid acknowledging the legitimacy of our democratically elected president. I say to you, do your job. Vote for a Supreme Court nominee. And here's Senator Tim Kaine out of Virginia. The blockade on filling a naturally occurring vacancy, in my view, is harmful to the independence of the Article Three branch. Now, those are all Democrats. One is a candidate for the President of the United States. The other is the Speaker of the House. The others are Democrats in the Senate. And then, of course, you already uh, quoted from uh, Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Very clear what their opinions are. So when you start seeing them go the opposite way, this is the same old mantra that we've seen for the last four years. They were for the wall before President Trump was for building the wall. Now they're against the wall. Mm -hmm. Uh, therefore, nomination and confirmation of a justice until President Trump wants to fill the seat of Ginsburg. Now they're opposed to it. And it's the same old flip-flop. And the amazing thing, Jim, is that they say it unashamedly as though they've never had any of these other diametrically contrary statements in the past. Now, some will look at that, though, Matt, and they'll say, well, didn't the Senate do the same thing? They denied the, that they didn't act on Merrick uh, Garland at that time. Well, that was a that was a United States a Senate that was controlled by Republicans, and mm -hmm. it's still controlled by Republicans. So, Obviously, consequences happen when you have elections. So, what you're saying, Matt, is that President Obama did his job by making the nomination, and the Senate they performed their job uh, as senators, and they decided not to advance it. That was in their purview too. They decided not to. Uh, the Senate uh, is deciding to do it, and the president wants them to do it. And what we have right now is life and death hanging in the balance. Life and death. I mean, this. Is is the most nom uh, monumental uh, nomination that we've ever seen. And already, uh, just yesterday, a pre-dawn mob gathered outside of Senator Lindsey Graham's home with megaphones, air horns, sirens, cymbals, strobe right. lights, and banging pots and pans trying to harass him. And even group organizers were training protesters how to kick in a door ahead of the Graham event. They were wanting to break into his house where he lives there with his family. And this is the reason why they're targeting him is he is the uh, chair of the Senate Judiciary Committee, mm -hmm. which will take up the nomination first, and then it will be referred from that committee to the full Senate. We thought we saw some viciousness during Kavanaugh's confirmation, and we did. Mm -hmm. Terrible. Lies. But we're going to see even more viciousness because this is the seat. Kavanaugh got you closer, but this is the seat on which uh, the future of America and abortion rest. Matt Staver is with us today from Liberty Council. Folks, don't miss the next section of our program today. We're going to be taking a look at what the Constitution says about advice and consent, the role of, of the Senate here at this time, and even the threats, yes, the threats that are being made coming from the opposition party. Back in a minute, this is Crosstalk. Back to Genesis with Dr. John Morris, geologist and president of the Institute for Creation Research. Dr. Morris, was ancient man primitive? Chris, in no sense was ancient man primitive. Man was created in the image of God with a large brain and great intellect, able at the very least to communicate with God in the Garden of Eden. Even in the early chapters of Genesis, man had agriculture, had metal workings, and he made musical instruments. Those civilizations of man that sprung up right after the flood were likewise quite intelligent. Think about it. Even the pyramids speak of an intelligent engineering ability of high quality, an ability which may have been lost up until recent times. There is no scientific evidence that man rose up from the animals. This is an evolutionary story which doesn't fit the facts. Mankind created intelligent at the start. Now that fits the facts, and that's the back to Genesis truth. To learn more about creation, get our free DVD called That's a Fact. Call us at 800-628-7640 and mention the promo code FACT. 
Vacancy on the U.S. Supreme Court. Matt Siever, our guest today from Liberty Council. Keep in mind, Ruth Bader Ginsburg said previous, eight is not a good number. Referring to the remaining number of justices on the court, we'll be delving into more of that issue. But, uh, Matt, let's look at the Constitution. Article 2, Section 2 of the U.S. Constitution tells us about the President of the United States. He said we first learned he's Commander-in-Chief, and then it says this, he shall have power by and with the advice and consent of the Senate to make treaties, provided two-thirds of the senators uh, present concur, and he shall nominate and by and with the advice and consent of the Senate shall appoint ambassadors, other public ministers and consuls, judges of the Supreme Court, and all other officers of the United States whose appointments are not here and otherwise provided for and which shall be established by law, and it goes on. But Matt, what does it mean by advice and consent to the Senate? Well, it's fairly simple. Uh, The Senate advises the President on nominations, not just uh, Supreme Court nominations, but any other nomination. They give advice to the Senate. It's kind of like uh, a committee, a large committee. The President doesn't have to listen to it. The President uh, has that as an opportunity to get additional input on it. And then they give consent. They're supposed to give their consent to the president. The president has extraordinary power to make nominations to any area uh, of the cabinet or any appointed place or any judicial nomination. And what the Senate typically does is look at the qualifications of that particular individual, and uh, then they vote. Uh, But one of the things that – so it's very clear. And and I think the Senate, certainly uh, Mitch McConnell – as indicated, Senator Lindsey Graham, who is chair of the Judiciary Committee, Mitch McConnell, of course, is president of the Senate. They're moving forward. And uh, actually, Senator Lindsey Graham has just said that they do have enough votes uh, to mm-hmm. pass this before the upcoming nomination or the upcoming election. In fact, a recent development just occurred because we were wondering where Mitt Romney was going to be. But he says this. Uh, the historical precedent of election year nominations is that the Senate generally does not confirm an opposing party's nominee, but does confirm a nominee of its own. Mm-hmm. I intend to vote based upon their qualifications. So he has indicated that he will um, vote as well. Up or down, he's going to look at the qualifications of whoever comes before him, which is good news. Matt, is there any constitutional mandate for this nominee to have to visit Senate office to Senate office and give greetings and exchanges, or is there any constitutional mandate for even hearings to be held in a Judiciary Committee and all the drama that unfolds, as we saw in the Kavanaugh confirmation? Is that mandate there? Is that the process they must go through? There's nothing mandated in the Constitution for any of that. It's just uh, the tradition and procedure that the Senate has uh, established. Mm-hmm. But, and, you know, the, the, this could backfire on those that are really wanting to oppose it, just like it backfired on those who uh, were so vicious in opposing Justice Kavanaugh, because you really began to see how mean they were. Uh, This particular nominee will almost certainly be a woman. There are some individuals, and we won't, you know, speculate who that is. We'll wait for the president to make his decision, but I suspect it'll be a woman. There's a number of qualified women that can fill that seat of Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Uh, But they don't have to go through all that. I'm sure they will, however, go through all that same thing. Now, the problem is, is it's going to get ugly, as I already said. I mean, just this week, I mean, Ruth Bader Ginsburg just passed on Friday. So uh, this is uh, Tuesday. We're talking about Monday over the weekend, that time frame, just so quick. These organizers, I'm sure they were paid, are being trained on how to kick down private homes, the doors of private homes. Yeah. And uh, they're there before uh, daylight. Uh, it's still dark out. And they're intimidating Senator Lindsey Graham. They're going to do that to all the other senators. And when we get close... And uh, we we start counting what the votes are. Imagine the pressure that they're going to put on these other senators and threats that they're going to receive as well, as well as for the the nominee and the family of the nominee. Uh, So this is a very serious problem that we're facing, and we need to pray 
for protection for all of those involved. Indeed. And Matt, I know that uh, many people have said, hey, there's not enough days for a nomination to proceed. But I, I'm seeing uh, uh, Senator Johnson's office uh, said John Paul Stevens was confirmed in 19 days, John Roberts in 23 days, Senator Dale Connor in 33 days. That's right. And and then uh, we under uh, the Heritage Foundation just put out, Tom Jipping put out an article in the Daily Signal that indicated that there is even a nominee from a previous administration that was confirmed on the very same day nominated that there are some justices that they attended their own hearings in the Senate, but they never spoke a single word during that time. That's exactly right. And since uh, 1900, 70% uh, of the nominees to the Supreme Court were confirmed in less time than it would take this vacancy to be filled before Election Day. So 70%, that's the vast majority, have been filled in, in less than 45 days. Friends, I'd like to also just refer to an email that was received yesterday from Senator Ron Johnson's office, and he put out these Supreme Court facts. And I think it's important for you to hear these because there's a big to-do going on in Washington. But he said the president has nominated someone all 29 times the Supreme Court vacancy occurred during the final year of a president's term. So there have been 29 nominees, or 29 times this has happened. 19 times the president and the Senate were of the same party. Of those, 10 came before the election, 9 were confirmed, 9 were right after the election, after the election before inauguration, 8 were confirmed. Then there were 10 that occurred when the president and the Senate were of different parties. That's what we saw in the Merrick Garland situation. Six were nominated before Election Day, only one confirmed. Four nominated in lame duck session, only one confirmed. Matt, it's very clear when, you know, the same party, 17 of 19 confirmed, but different parties, only two of 10 were confirmed. This this is what precedent has happened in the Senate. This is the precedent that's happened in the Senate, and there is no reason why not to proceed with this uh, going forward. So this is a, uh, President Trump is going to make his announcement soon. Um, we're told that it's going to be this weekend, probably said, Saturday. Yep. And uh, then we're off to the races. He's interviewing uh, individuals right now, but it's not like he just uh, woke up and realized he needs to do this. He's right. been making preparations for this for some time. Matt, the Senate Majority Leader, uh, Chuck Schumer, he, along with Democratic colleagues, said nothing is off the table if Republicans hold this vote on a Supreme Court justice before the election. What, what is he referring? Nothing is off the table. I mean, I've seen different assertions coming forth. Uh, lay that out for us. I mean, they're well, you talking... know, with these people, um, the, the, Pelosi the, and Schumer... Um, what you have is a very, very dirty politics. And I wouldn't even call it politics. I mean, they're just outright mean. And when they say nothing is off the table, I don't know exactly what that means because I don't, I can't think in the, in the evil depths as some of these people actually think. But, you know, when you say nothing is off the table, look what they did with Kavanaugh. Look what they did before that with Justice Clarence Thomas. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and by the way, look what they did to Bork, Senator uh, Ted Kennedy. That was, a, that was mild compared to what they did to Thomas and what they did to Kavanaugh. Kavanaugh yeah. But if Bork had been actually confirmed, if we had had some more backbone back then, Bork would have been there, not Kennedy. And guess what would happen in 1992? Abortion decision would have been overturned. Same-sex marriage decision in 2015 wouldn't have happened as well. So you, you have all those different historical situations. And now we are going to see something that we've never experienced before. So buckle your seat. But you know what? Um, we need to move forward, not be intimidated, pray, mm -hmm. and uh, yes. we need to fight for this uh, confirmation to be done before the election. Now, let's talk about this 4-4 uh, court. And uh, Senator Ted Cruz, I heard him last Friday evening, and he's warning about, uh, you know, having a 4-4 court. He said, Democrats, and I'm, I'm quoting here, he said, Democrats and Joe Biden have made clear they intend to challenge this election. They intend to fight the, legi the legitimacy of the election. As you know, Hillary Clinton has told Joe Biden, under no circumstances should you concede, you should challenge this election. And then he said this, Matt, he said, we cannot have this election day come and go with a 4-4 court. Well, in fact, on September the 29th will be the time that uh, these uh, justices meet for the first time, and it's called the Super Conference, and it's before they actually open up the court on the first Monday of October. 
The super conference is a time where all these petitions uh, for review, asking the court to review, are accumulating over the the last uh, term and through the summer because they keep getting those. They don't stop. And so they have a big uh, workload to do on September 29 when they come back into session. And you need uh, four votes to ultimately take any of the cases. But obviously, part of the calculation by those four that want to take a case is, do we have a fifth vote here? And if they don't, you know, they will decide not to take certain cases that they otherwise want to take and should take if they anticipate that they'll just get a 4-4 split. Uh, There's no reason to waste the time. So without that fifth justice, knowing who that justice is, um, it really clogs up the court. And then then the first uh, case starts to be heard the first Monday of October, and then the wheels uh, continue to roll through the rest of the term. So they need a uh, full panel of justices there as they begin the court. Matt, there's been a lot of discussion, too, about stacking the court. Uh, matter of fact, former U.S. Attorney General Eric Holder, he's joined in now on this course, pack the court, stack the court, saying it would be illegitimate for President Trump to fill his position. But they're talking about, actually, that if, if, if their party takes the White House, that they will actually increase the size of the court to 11 justices or 13 justices in order to counter the conservatives on the bench in order to forever sway the court. Yeah, that's what they're uh, threatening. You know, this this is the Democratic uh, bad policy, uh, do anything you can to destroy the country just to get their ideology pushed through, because they're so committed to abortion and anti-God policies that they'll do anything, and they're unhinged. They've just become unhinged. They're no longer principled at all. So, they, in order to do that, would have to have the um, the votes to be able to do it. Certainly in the in the Senate, mm-hmm. and they're going to need a, a full Senate. They're going to need a majority of the Senate to be able to do that. And you still have the filibuster rule, so I think it's a lot of bluster. But they're going to do it. They're going to try to do that if they win, and uh, they well, will then. That's the uh, other point they're talking about, though, too, is abolishing the filibuster. Yeah, yeah, and they would do that, abolishing the filibuster across the the board. It's abolished for confirmations now, or nominations mm-hmm. and confirmations of appointments, because they did it. Right, and then and then we ended up doing that for the Supreme Court when they tried to stop the the nominations. But it's still there for other things, and uh, they might try to do that as well. Uh, but they'd be willing to destroy the whole institution and really uh, the illegitimacy, make the court illegitimate, because they don't want the court to be a court. That's the thing. Let's just get this straight. They want the court to be able to do what they're not able to do through the representative capacity. So they want to stack it with unelected oligarchs that can rule the country by fiat without being touched by any individual. Now, that ought to really send concerns to anyone because they're wanting to politicize the court and make it some kind of super legislature that's untouched, that literally... Uh, imposes same-sex marriage, imposes um, the abortion, imposes uh, taking away Second Amendment rights, and you name it and go on and on and on. They want a court that's activist. Matt Staver with us today. We're opening phone lines. We'll take your brief comments and your questions today at 800-733-9829. What do you think, folks? 800-733-9829. You're listening to Crosstalk on the VCY America Network. Attacks continue against the Bible. Some accuse the Bible of not being historically accurate. Some insist it's a book written by man filled with error. But did you know that archaeology continues to confirm what's written in Scripture? In the fully illustrated hardcover book, Evidence for the Bible, you are introduced to the world of biblical archaeology. Using full-color pictures and an easily read format, you will see that what has been dug up from the earth confirms the places and events from Scripture. Rulers and kings are documented, battles and their outcomes are confirmed, and details of prophetic utterances are precisely what are known to have happened. This book takes you on a fascinating journey during which the traveler never knows what may turn up with the next trial. It's hard to put this book down as one captivating page leads to another. Evidence for the Bible is available for a donation of $30.
Call VCY America at 1-800-729-9829. Constitutional Attorney Matt Staver with us here today from Liberty Council. Their website, lc.org, lc.org, the number to crosstalk, 800 Seven three three nine eight two nine. That's eight hundred seven three three nine eight two nine. If you get a busy, just wait until somebody hangs up from their call, and uh, that line will be open. Matt, before we pick up this first call, we are hearing uh, coming from well, uh, the, the Speaker Pelosi and others who are saying we're going to. Uh, they're even threatening with additional impeachment hearings to try and stop this judicial nominee from going forward. Yeah, and look how silly that is. Um, they're going to impeach the president. That's what they're threatening. They're going to try to impeach the president for doing the job that the Constitution invests in him as the executive of the United States. It is under the Constitution his duty to nominate people to fill the vacancies of the Supreme Court. I mean, that's what we're dealing with in terms of complete abdication of the rule of law. Now, that is just absolutely astounding. But this is the new democratic, uh, anarchist, Marxist party. Matt Staver with us here today on Crosstalk. By the way, Matt will be with us, Lord willing, this coming Monday for Crosstalk as well. President uh, Trump has announced that he will be making his selection on Saturday or making us aware of his selection on Saturday. Matt uh, will be is planning to be with us on Monday's Crosstalk, where we'll talk further about the nomination itself. Let's go to the phone lines. Uh, we have Tom calling in from Port Wing, Wisconsin. You're on the air. Yes, uh, my question uh, to Matt is, Senator Joe Biden, in relationship to Judge Bork and uh, also to Judge Clarence Thomas, and what role he played uh, as a senator back during those hearings? Yeah, well, Senator Joe Biden was one of the people that I mentioned, you know, Vice President Biden uh, now, but Senator Joe Biden says the American people deserve a fully staffed court of nine. And that's what he said when he was vice president. So, you know, he was right along with the Democrats as well. And anything, of course, that Trump is now for, he's against. So uh, that's the that's the typical M.O. from uh, him and, and the rest of the party. No. What I'm, what I'm asking is, where was Senator Joe Biden in relationship to those uh, other judges? I remember him during those hearings of uh, Judge uh, Oh, Where was he in terms of voting for them? Yeah, when he was a senator. Oh, he voted against uh, most of those that are on this. He, I mean, he he's the one. In fact, uh, Justice Clarence Thomas just put out a documentary this year and uh, Joe Biden is mentioned in it because he was one of the most vicious against uh, Justice Thomas's nomination, yeah. inventing all kinds of lies, just like Kavanaugh. I mean, up until Kavanaugh, it was Justice Thomas that was most mistreated, and Biden was one of the leaders. Tom, thank you for the call. Gary is next in Ironwood, Michigan. Gary, you're on the air. Hi, Matt. Jim, I had a question about where the Congress changed over from their normal operation to an anarchist, violent type of situation. I mean, I've heard, I've followed some of this in the past, and I haven't seen no people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This that's a great point, Gary. Because Matt, we have seen a number of politicians that have come out, Maxine Waters and others. You know, get in their faces. You know, we need more riots and more rebellion taking place. Uh, we have seen that come from a number of legislators. The roots of this started during the Obama administration. And Obama really took the Democratic Party to the edge of the cliff and was willing to push it off to radicalize the country. He wanted complete transformation. But he could only go so far. And then, you know, with uh, the presidency changing and Trump uh, winning, they got really radicalized. And you had some of these people like AOC and uh, the radical Muslims uh, gaining uh, entrance into the white into the Congress, and Nancy Pelosi continuing to be the speaker. And the party has just literally become 
uh, socialistic, Marxist, radical. I mean, you had uh, Bernie Sanders, who was a novelty, who now speaks for the party. And he's a declared socialist. He, uh, he loved the Soviet Union and um, was enamored with uh, it and also enamored with Cuba. It is a different party than it was before, and it is nothing like it. So people that are even pro-life in the Democratic Party in various places around the country, they've been put out, pushed out. I'm talking about elected leaders. They've been pushed out of the party because of their pro-life stance. There is no room in the party anymore for pro-life. And so what has happened to them over time is they have given voice to the George Soros time type of radicals and those special interests, rather than trying to um, have a strong position and push them back, they have given them full voice. And the more voice they get, the more voice they want. And so they are now being driven. Uh, the, it, the Democratic Party is the tail. The dog is George Soros. He's the tail wagging. He's the dog wagging the tail. And and so the Democratic Party is kind of uh, the uh, just the extension of these radical groups and these radical groups like Antifa, Black Lives Matter, and and many others out there, George Soros kinds of groups and so forth. They're controlling. They're running the Democratic Party, and that's why you see this radicalism and this violence that you uh, is see. And and uh, you know, don't discount the, the radicalism of Planned Parenthood. Uh, they're spending billions of dollars uh, on abortion, and they're putting that back into these uh, radical agendas. Gary, thanks for the call. We need to move on. Wanda in Chattanooga, Tennessee, you're on the air. Thank you for taking my call. I just wanted to say, as sad as it is to have someone die, it may be, uh, I know it's God's will that things happen, but uh, the Lord may be giving us, uh, or Mr. Trump, another opportunity to choose a conservative justice for the Supreme Court and uh, he will see that it gets uh, the person that Trump chooses gets uh, uh, approved, I hope. But the Lord is working in this somehow, and I thank him for it. Amen. And Matt, uh, again, that, that, that is our foundation. Uh, God is at work in this. He, I mean, he turns the hearts of kings. Uh, he's the one who sets up and takes down, and, and certainly our trust confidence needs to be in the Lord. No question about that, uh, Jim. Uh, and certainly, you know, uh, nothing was a surprise for God. And uh, we live at a historic moment, and these are historic opportunities. We have, uh, let's see, Jody next in Wisconsin Dells. You're on the air, Jody. Ah, uh, yes. I wanted to just remember in Psalm 2 how it says that the heathen rage, but the yeah. Lord will laugh at them. And also, I was reading with my kids this morning in the book of Esther. And the provision that God made and how all the circumstances were lined up so well for him to save the Jews. And much as much as all chaos could get us Christians riled up or a little bit fearful, just to remember, even if we were taken into captivity, the obedience to the Lord will bless us. And it will be that salt and light that the rest of the world needs to see. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I am um, going through the book of Esther right now um, in Hebrew, and uh, I'm tonight I will finish the book of Esther, and it is a very powerful reminder um, of God's providence and protection against apparent impossibilities uh, with what happened with the decree. So God is in control, and uh, we just continue as Esther, and... Uh, Mordecai, continue to pray to God, and uh, he will intervene and answer. You know, and thank you for that call here, uh, Jody, and Matt, that phrase, for such a time as this that we see in the book of Esther, really takes us right to where we're at today as well. Oh, no question about it. Absolutely. Our phone number to Crosstalk, 800-733-9829. Jane, you're next. Go ahead. You're on the air from West Salem. Yes, I was going to say, you know, all of the stuff they did, the Kavanaugh and stuff, mm-hmm. I would not put it past Diane Feinstein to do this, do the same thing to this Amy Colby, or Amy, whoever she is. Yeah. Now, we don't know it's going to be her. She is one of the names talked about as one of the top contenders, uh, but there's others as well. But either way, it's going to likely be a woman. 
Again, that's not 100%. But whoever it is, man or woman, no matter what it is, no matter who it is, yeah, they're going to face uh, worse than Kavanaugh and uh, pray for their family and also their physical protection. I'm not just talking about praying for them to be strong emotionally. I'm talking about them to be protected because there are people who want to do even worse harm to them and others that are voting. Yeah. I mean, when you, when you hear phrases from organizing groups, we are trained Marxist, Matt, I mean, that, uh, that should yeah. uh, send a shiver down people's spines. If we were ever, uh, if the media, if we ever, or any other conservative group ever, like, trained protesters to break down doors of homes, and you would see that all over the, the paper, and yeah. you would be ridiculed, and for good reason. But what do you see? Do you see the media coming after these protesters that were trained to kick down Senator Lindsey Graham's private home door? No, but that's what's happening. Thank you for the call here today. Let's go to uh, Daniel in Wisconsin. You're on the air. Yeah. Um, one thing that puzzles me here is that when people talk about the ballots and maybe having problems counting them, they seem to think that there's, they act like there's two different ballots. Like there's a presidential ballot, and there's a ballot for everybody else. It doesn't work that way. You vote for everyone in your area, district, whatever, mm-hmm. on one ballot. President, dog catcher, everybody. Yeah. Uh, relate that to our discussion today, Daniel. Well, I guess it's, it's kind of what happens is successful power. If Pelosi's district isn't settled for voting, and her results are still up in the air, who becomes president? I guess I'm sorry, I, I, it is... It isn't directly tied to the... Okay. Um, yeah. You know what? You bring up a good point, because I've... Thank you for this, Daniel. Matt, there have been many who have speculated, okay, uh, we've got... Hillary Clinton says, don't concede no matter what, you know, and we know that there's a team of attorneys being hired by the Biden campaign, you know, to, to get into courts right away, contest, 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 where we're all told about the, those aspects, and many have wondered if this lingers in the courts, what happens coming Inauguration Day, if we don't have a, a name president well in fact i uh you know we almost had that on in the year 2000 mm-hmm. and we litigated that uh for five consecutive weeks day and night through the weekends and finally uh in december it was ultimately confirmed but if you go all the way to the inauguration and there's no president i mean that becomes a real problem you you, you go with um you know, I don't even want to speculate how that would ultimately work, but, you know, the the ones that are elected that you would have confirmed are the President of the Senate and the Speaker of the House. And uh, somebody's going to have to be designated to lead the country, because oh. if there's no President, there's no Vice President. Now, we already know from some of these states that are doing this uh, awful mail-in ballot um, that is fraught with fraud problems. This is not uh, absentee voter and, of course, this takes us off our subject matter, so I don't want to spend much more time on it. But, um, you know, that they're saying we're, they're not going to be able to report by election night. So, uh, by, you know, so when you wake up on Wednesday, they say we're, we're not going to have the votes tabulated. Mm-hmm. Uh, it becomes a real problem. Yeah. This is all calculated against President Trump. Matt Staver with us here today on Crosstalk. Our telephone number, 800-733-9829. We're talking about this vacancy on the Supreme Court. Our number, 800-733-9829. We'll be back in just a minute for more of your calls here on the VCY American Network. The program is called Crosstalk. For the Worldview Report, I'm Brandon House. Our website is worldviewreport.com. This past weekend, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who sat on the U.S. Supreme Court since the 90s, being appointed by President Bill Clinton, passed away. The Bible says that God takes no pleasure in the destruction of the wicked. So we should not be celebrating her death. However, well, Fox News once again reveals that they are not a conservative network. One commentator after another, including Republicans, praised her for her service and her commitment to America. Yet, as we warned about her and her worldview when she was appointed by President Bill Clinton, she was a radical, a radical liberal, who actually worked with a communist front group. 
Roger Baldwin, a known communist, formed the ACLU. And in 1977, as an attorney for the ACLU, she argued for lowering the sex age limit to age 12. This is one of many things I could say about her. Staver with us here today from Liberty Council. Folks, again, I want to encourage you to be praying for our nation, be praying for senators and the president and uh, uh, those who lead this country through the U.S. House as well. Uh, Such a critical time and uh, election day being just six weeks away. Uh, A reminder, Lord willing, this Monday, Matt will be back with us after the nominee is named by the president. And uh, we'll have more analysis there with uh, further updates on this matter. We're going to go to our next call from Mesa, Arizona, with uh, Gary calling in. And Matt, he's got a question in regard to the uh, California lawsuits uh, you're involved in. Uh, Go ahead, Gary. Yes, uh, thank you for the good work that you're doing. God bless. Um, I'm you. wondering why no one has uh, contacted the U.S. attorney in in California to bring criminal charges against Gruesome Newsom. Now, this man is completely out of his mind. This guy is trying to fight violence against Christians uh, while doing nothing about vi- uh, rioters. Yeah, I know. He encourages them. Mm-hmm. I have 100,000 people in Hollywood, and he says, God bless you, keep doing it. And yet to the churches, he says, oh, you better not open because you're going to be charged criminally up to a year in prison, $1,000 every day. You don't uh, stop worshiping. And that includes home Bible studies and fellowship. Yes, home Bible studies and fellowship with anybody who doesn't live in your home. Unbelievably, as it sounds, that's true. Uh, The U.S. uh, Attorney General is very much aware of Governor Gavin Newsom and the problems there. I think that if this were not, and, and by the way, uh, they actually filed a, a great brief in one of our cases in Virginia in support of our churches. They've sent a letter to Gavin Newsom, uh, but he has not uh, changed his awful ways. I think if it weren't an election year, the attorney general would become much more aggressive. I know uh, against these uh, governors that are restricting churches. I do know that the attorney general, the Department of Justice, is being very aggressive against the protesters, and they've already indicted uh, around the country over 300 people that are at these various protests that are just simply being ignored by these governors or mayors. Gary, thank you for the call. Linda is next in Sardinia, Ohio. You're on the air. Yes, this is, uh, I wanted to know how's come uh, that they they are even allowed, the Democrats, to contest in any way the nominee that he's got, that President Trump has got for the Supreme Court. How are they even allowed to get by with this? Well, the, the, they, are, they are to advise and have consent, so the Constitution does call for that to take place, but certainly doesn't call for violence there, Matt, and intimidation. No, it doesn't call for violence, but, uh, you know, they violence is not off limits with these people, unfortunately, now. And that's uh, very, very, very dis, uh, disheartening to see that, uh, because it's frankly very, very dangerous to people's health and safety. And, you know, did you see any uh, condemnations of all the riots and the burning of the cities? And and those are just horrible, what has happened. You know, Kenosha, uh, Jim, right there in your state, uh, is just a a graveyard of of burnt-out buildings and cars. It's it's horrible in some of those places in the city. And yet you didn't see anybody complain uh, from the Democrats. So... You know, the, the problem is, is they have contested the election at the time that the election occurred, since, uh, you know, early hours of the morning when Trump was declared the winner. They have contested it for nearly four years now. And so every step of the way, they have been dogging President Trump. And they know that this is their, um, that they're, they see that abortion is easily going to slip away with this next nomination, and they've just become unhinged. Thank you, Linda. Let's go to Merle in Tennessee. You're on the air. Yeah, I just wanted to say, Jim, uh, if anybody out there really believes that Ginsburg's dying words were about her court seat, I've got some swamp land I want to sell them. I mean, I just don't, I think that was a Democratic talking point, and I know Trump uh, made reference to it, too. I just, I just don't believe it, and I uh, just wanted to share that. Yeah. Okay, thank you very much. And uh, uh, Brad in West Dallas, you're on the air. Hey, brothers. Uh, 20 years ago, with all the hanging chads and all, uh, Bill Clinton was a sitting president at the time, and I seem to remember him saying that he would stay in the White House if this thing ran past Inauguration Day. 
Isn't that true? And if it is, uh, why couldn't Trump do the same thing? Hmm. Is it? Yeah, yeah, he could. Uh, you know, there's lots of different scenarios. Uh, none of them are good, uh, by the way, because uh, it really puts us in a real quandary and a and a situation that we should not be in. Mm-hmm. So let's pray that we don't have to uh, address those issues uh, and that we have a, a good, clean election and um, it's, not, uh, it's not disputed. We might have to settle for, a, for just a good one. I don't know mm-hmm. how clean it's going to be. <laughs> yeah, I, I think we already have some taint on it already with these uh, mail-in ballots. Yep. Thank you, Brad. Thank you. Uh, David, Milwaukee, you're on the air. I'd just like to say thank you, Jim, and thank you, Matt, for standing up for our Lord and Savior, Jesus. Matt, thank you for defending me and my family twice to share the good news and my son on his seventh-year-old birthday. I'd just like mm. to give a nice thank comment. You. There's one universe's Supreme's Court, and that consists of the Godhead. Let us make man in our image and after our likeness. And keep on standing up for the Godhead, and all of our laws and rights are given from him and should be based on the Word of God. Thank you. God bless Thank you. you. Thank you, David, for your call here today. And uh, that's all the time we're going to have for calls this afternoon. Uh, Matt, uh, how is it people can, across this nation, be engaged in this issue? Prayer is critical. Uh, c- communications to the senators, is that important as well? Oh, yeah, communication to the senators. Uh, we have uh, offices in Washington, D.C., one right behind the U.S. Supreme Court, and so we're going to be very involved in working with the senators as well as whoever is the nominee, and we also have a significant prayer uh, ministry there that we will be very much involved in that. So you can go to a couple of uh, places, not only lc.org, lc.org, uh, and there you can also get to Liberty Council Action as well as Faith and Liberty, two of our ministries. And uh, they're going to be working very much uh, on this uh, election, and we'll keep you informed at the lc.org website. Okay, so folks, that can be your your gateway, LC, that stands for Liberty Council, lc.org, lc.org. You can also be in contact uh, by phone with Liberty Council at 407-875-1776. And again, Lord willing, this coming Monday, uh, there is uh, Matt will be making a return visit here to Crosstalk. President Trump has stated that uh, he is planning to name his nominee this coming Saturday. And uh, a great time, Matt, a reminder to be praying for our president. Yeah, absolutely. The president needs a lot of prayer and certainly protection. I mean, there uh, no doubt are um, people that would want to do very harmful things to them. So pray for all involved and uh, pray that God's will be done. Matt Staver from Liberty Council. Thank you, Matt, for being with us today. Thank you. My pleasure. And friends, uh, thanks for staying tuned here to Crosstalk on VCY America. Critical programs every single day this week uh, dealing with important matters impacting us as a nation. But keep your eyes on the Lord. Keep your eyes on him. Some trust in horses, some in chariots. But we will remember the name of the Lord our God. Keep our trust in him. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to Crosstalk via satellite and the Internet from VCY America. Views expressed may or may not be those of this station. For a CD of today's program, send a donation of $6 or more to VCY Tape Ministry, 3434 West Kilbourne Avenue, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, 53208, or download by RSS or podcast from crosstalkamerica.com. And join us again for Crosstalk. Crosstalk.